guys, this is Barry Edgman, Father Seekers. This is our podcast, Teach Me to Father. Hey guys, thanks for listening in. I want to I appreciate you. You guys have been reaching out and contacting us. And we ask that you keep doing that. If you know how to reach us, great. But here is the way you can reach us, fatherseekers.org, fatherseekers.org. My email is barry at fatherseekers.org. Teach me to father. It's, it's, not, it's not an impossible task to be a good father. However, if you don't have, if you don't have an understanding of what fatherhood is, then how in the world, how could you ever, ever be a good father? If you don't, if you don't know what the elements of being a godly father is, a good dad, if you don't know those elements, how in the world could you ever be a good dad here here's here's the big here's the big question the big question is why if if you have children why is it important to be a good dad there's there's really only one really only one answer to that but i want to explain the answer before i tell you the answer when somebody is given a name, they are purposefully named after a, a significant person in their life or their history. In Scripture, the name, when somebody was named in Scripture, that name carried with it a call, a purpose, and a direction to live their lives out of and from. Now you may you may have a name. Your surname may be one that you don't like, or your 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 first name. And that that may be true. That's why I think a lot of guys have nicknames because they they prefer their nickname over their their first name or surname. But the importance of a name, the importance of a name, carries with it great weight. Now. When, when you are named by God, he has named all of us, first off, as his sons and daughters, beloved sons, beloved daughters. He has named us children of God. He knows our name. He knows the number of hairs in our head. He knows our past, our future. He is intimately familiar with all of who we are, where we came from, where we're going. He is an involved, engaged, present, and available father. So he knows. He knows. Now, Dad, what name has God given you? He's called you Father. Interestingly enough, Dad, God, God has given you He's given you his name, the same name he calls himself. He calls you father. There, there's an interesting story about Alexander the Great, the great conqueror. 
Alexander the Great conquered the known world of his day. And, and that is significant in itself if you've ever studied that part of world history and you understand a bit about what's going on in that time period. But, but for, for, for Alexander the Great to conquer the world, he, he had a reputation and a character about him that went before him. And, and when his name was spoken, it was feared. So much so that one day, after a significant battle, Alexander commanded that that a certain number of troops go out and round up all of those who abandoned post during the battle and fled and went AWOL. And, and once these all were either captured or killed, the ones captured were brought back to Alexander to stand before him and give an account for why he did not stay at his post and fight even unto death, but he fled and he ran in fear. So there were several that went before and Alexander passed the judgment on them. And there was a boy who rose up in the, in the line, the queue to be adjudicated. And he stood before Alexander the great and the great general said to him, boy, what's your name? So the boy stood there for a minute and whispered under his breath his name. Alexander the Great, the great general, the conqueror, said again, boy, what's your name? And he whispered a little louder. And then he asked again because the the answer was unheard. So at this point, the room was silent. You could hear a pin bounce off the marble floor. And he said, boy, what's your name? And the young boy afraid, shaking, trembling, said, my name is Alexander. So Alexander, the great conqueror, sat, his arms reached out to the edge of the arms on his great throne, and he grabbed those clenching and holding tightly, and then he stood up and he walked toward the boy. And the boy was in fear of his life. He was shaking. Of course, who wouldn't be? And Alexander, the great conqueror, the commander of the greatest army in the, in the known world at that time, grabbed the boy, held him up off the ground, feet off the ground. And he said, boy, change your name or change your behavior. And Alexander let him live. Now, God has, God has, has given us Dads, God has given us his name, his name, Father. That being said, God is such a good father that he not only loves us and cares for us, but he he is deeply concerned with how well we live out and carry out the purpose and the command and the assignment of the name he has given us, Father, the name Father. I want to talk to you about one of the elements today of understanding not only your purpose as a father, but your assignment as a father. The assignment is that you be a good father and you be the exact earthly representation to your wife and your children on this earth of God himself. The requirement for that, the requirement for that is that not only do we know God as father, but we pursue him as father and we help him 
We help him by making ourselves available because he will speak to us when we seek him. He said, not me, he said, if we seek him, we will find him. Now, I want to give you the first, the number one first step of not only how to be a good father, how to become a good father, how to learn the skill set, gather the tools for your toolbox to be a great dad. You can still do it. And how you self can, yourself can understand, you yourself can understand what it is to be a beloved son because here's the truth. You will never, you will never be a good father unless first you're a good son. So I want to talk to you about the first element of understanding, understanding who, who is it, who is it that will decide whether or not I'm a good father? It's you. It's me. It's us. We decide, do we want to put in the hard work to learn what we weren't taught, to understand what we have no reference point to, and to explore and examine the things that we need to know that we don't even know where to look? I want to talk to you about the first element of that, and it, it is, the, it is the, the element of connection, connecting, connecting with people, men of God, men who are good fathers, men who understand what it is to be a good father, and they, in fact, have a great track record of being a good father. Now, a good father does not mean that we're a perfect father, that we have it all together all the time, but we have it all together sometimes, and the times we don't have it all together, well, those are learning experiences that we use and grow from. Being a good father doesn't mean that I make every right decision with my kids. In fact, being a good father is a lot like being a good doctor. We, we practice fatherhood like our, our doctors, our good doctors practice medicine. So we have to show up and, and do the work. So when we show up and do the work, what do we use to do that work? Well, well, we've got to find out those elements of how to be a good father. Here's, here's the first element. I'm only going to talk about one today. Connection. Who, who is it that in your life you connect with? Or I would ask, what do you connect with? Now, connection is a, an important thing in life, and we do it all the time. In fact, all of our life is built around connection. We connect to Wi-Fi. We connect to so we can get on the Internet. Our cars connect to Wi-Fi, our cars connect to GPS, our everything in our life is about connection. So why would why would one of the elements not be a significant element, I might add? Why would it not be connection? We have to ask ourselves, are we trying to do this as a lone wolf? Are we trying to be a good father on our own? If you if you say yes, and I did for many years. So I'm telling you from experience and hard lessons learned, you cannot do that. It is required. Now, one of the things about, about being a fatherless guy is that you tend, to, you tend to be a lone wolf because you've always been one, and it's easier for you to be a lone wolf than try to incorporate people into your life. I'll be the first to tell you, I am a professional cave dweller. I love the cave. I determine who comes in. And I determine who, who, who even gets to get inside the walls. I control that. So that's not healthy. 
being alone is not healthy. Living in the shadow of what you hope for, but hiding from the light of what you can be is misery. Here's what I want you to know. I want you to know that you have to connect. You're talking to a guy, you're listening to a guy who spent many of his years, especially the last few prior to the last three of being alone and enjoying it and le- and priding myself and being alone and doing things on my own. I will tell you, friend, it's a dangerous game. You will never become, I will never become who God intended me to be unless I understand the significant discipline, the practice, the element of connection. Now, 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 when we connect, we can quantify and qualify ourselves with two different titles. We connect as a redwood tree, the redwood forest, the West Coast, beautiful. If you've ever been to a redwood forest national park, there's several of them. It's the most, if you want to look and see something that amazes you about how big God is, read about redwood trees. It is, it, they are, they're the absolute most amazing, one of, the, I would put in the top three amazing things that God ever created. Redwood tree, amazing. They tell such great stories about just, just by examining who they are and what they do. They're, it's amazing. It's amazing. Redwood trees. So when we talk about connection as the element, the purpose, the discipline, the, the directive that we use in life to follow. We also have to look at the other side of that. We're either a redwood tree or we're a tumbleweed. I want to talk about both of those more in just a second, but I want to tell you what the word connection means. Because let me pitch this out there, just food for thought. We have to connect with our kids. We have to connect and stay connected with our kids. We have to connect and stay connected with our wife. We have to, we have to do the things in life that it requires to stay connected to them. And we will never successfully be connected to them with a fruitful and beneficial future unless we're connected to Holy Spirit. And the only way that we can be connected to Holy Spirit is to have a relationship with Jesus. Now, listen, if you don't believe in Jesus if you if you're not one of those guys then don't click off there's more there's more information here that will help you but i would challenge you to examine who he is not based on your past history personal or public or your past church history or or your spiritual hurt and abuse Unfortunately, I'm finding that more people have been spiritually hurt or abused significantly and realistically than not. And I want to encourage you, dad, big guy, listen, look at Jesus. He's the real man. He's the man in the show. He's the one to mimic, imitate, and emulate. But I want to tell you what connection is. Connection means this. It's, 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 I'm, I'm binding myself or joining myself together with something or with another. I'm bound to, tied to something or someone. I'm included in a circle of people who brought me in or I brought them in, and we are intimately involved in spirit and truth and relationship. 
connection means that I have those that I travel along with who are like mind. I don't try to stay in step with people. I don't try to stay in step with people who are not going in the same direction I'm going. I've got to know where I'm going. So, so how, what are one of the elements that I use to do that? I, I get connected. Now I'm going to use a word and help define part of what connection means. I want to use a word that most of us bristle and shy away from and push back. It's the word accountability. Accountability is one of the most misused words in our culture. It is misrepresented. It is weaponized. It is used categorically to control and to manipulate people most of the time. That's why we don't like that word accountability. And, and let me just say this. If you are a fatherless pastor, hear me. I want to give you this definition of accountability because this definition in part and in whole of connection, it's part of it, not all of it. But it's one of the most significant pieces of the connection pie is to understand accountability. And it's this accountability is not me adjudicating the wrongs you've done, the mistakes you've made, the should haves or the could haves that, that, that most assuredly needed to be in play, but were not. Accountability is understanding through being closely associated with another i am i if i am accountable to one and they are accountable to me i am present i am available i am involved and i am engaged in their life let me say that again i am present i am available i am involved and i am engaged in their life i am not there to tell them all the wrongs they've done I'm not there to tell them and point out all the mistakes they've made, the should'ves or the could'ves or even the would'ves. I'm here. I'm here. I'm available. I'm involved. I'm engaged because I I care. I want to be in your life and I want you to be in my life and I want to do this thing together. And there's no way for me to do it alone. So you're the guy. I and. And every guy, I will tell you this, that every guy needs at least three to five guys. You can always have more, but you need three to five guys because three to five guys in your life, you will see things differently with, with their trusted, honest, genuine, authentic perspective because they love you. They have no acts. They don't need anything from you. They want to be with you. They don't need to control you. They want to benefit you and bless you because as you grow, they grow. You are brothers in the fight. You share spiritual sweat and adrenaline, blood and tears. You sweat. You do that together because you're in the fight to be a Jesus guy. You're in the fight to be a good father. Here's what here's what the accountability part of connecting to somebody. Here's here's here are three C's that will help you wrap this, wrap this up and 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 pull it into play. Remember now we're talking about talking about are you a redwood or or are you a tumbleweed? Accountability has three C's. My brothers who are in the fight with me, as I'm accountable to them, help me conform to the will of God. They help me conform to the will of God. When I go through a difficult circumstance, I go through a challenging time, I've missed the boat, I've stumbled, I've fallen, I've 
done something that is less than what Father God would have me do, then then my brothers help me conform to the will of God. How do they help me conform to the will of God? Second C is they help me confirm the word of God in my life. My brothers help me find and conform to the will of God by helping me confirm the word of God in my life. And number three, my brothers who are with me, they help me carry out the plan of God in my life because I know his will. I understand the directive of his word and they are here to walk alongside me as I carry out the plan of God in my life. And I am there to walk alongside them to help them carry out the plan of God in their life. These, these C's work conversely. They work both ways. They have to work both ways. One of the most amazing things I said it in the beginning that God ever created was the redwood tree. I want to tell you some facts about the redwood tree. The the redwood tree, they're the, some of the biggest trees in in all the world. Uh, matter of fact, there's one in in California, in an, the national park there called the General Sherman. It has a volume of fifty two thousand five hundred eight cubic feet. Its weight is over two point seven million pounds. It has a circumference. In other words, you if you were to stretch a tape around it and measure it's 102 feet around. Some of the branches on it are seven feet in diameter and the height is 275 feet, the equivalent of a 26 story building. The general Sherman is 2,500 years old. Here's what's interesting about that bark on that tree is the bark is two to three feet thick. Now, when you get, once you get up in about 60 or 70 feet in the air, the bark is a little thinner and the diameter of the tree shrinks down to about 17 or 18 feet. But here's, here's the most significant, the, the most significant thing about, about the redwood tree. The redwood tree, and I'm no physicist, but I can do, I can do simple man math and it does not equate. It does not, it does not calculate there's no way it calculates. It'd be, it would be an interesting study if a physicist figured out this, this, this unequal design. Only God could have done this. But the roots of a redwood tree are only 6 to 10 feet deep. The vertical, the up and down root is 6 to 10 feet deep. And there, there's, there's no really, there's no taproot holding it in place. But the horizontal spread of the root system is from 100 to 150 feet in every direction. I get that picture. The roots grow 6 to 10 feet deep, but in every direction they grow 100 to 150 feet. Here's what's, here's, here's what's the amazing part. The interesting part here is that these root systems of the redwood tree entangle and intersect with the root systems of other trees of other redwood trees. Not only do they hold each other up in strong winds, earthquakes, firestorms, prolonged flooding, and prolonged windstorms, but they gather and gain nutrients from each other. Now, two to three feet thick bark and, and the internal part of the tree is, is protected and, and, and 
armored so that the growth and the structure and the strength of the tree can remain the same. But here's a here's a here's an even more the the the, the horizontal root system spreads 100 to 150 feet in every direction. And the diameter of some of the limbs on the trees in the upper levels of these trees are six, seven, five, six, seven feet. But here's another interesting fact. Not only are the horizontal root systems going in every other direction, intersecting and intertwining with other redwood trees, getting nourishment and strength from the other trees, but the limbs also reach out and intersect with each other so that in the storm, there's a strong footing and there is a strong connection at the top where the storm hits the hardest. The arms of the tree reach out to others. Then you have, you have this dependence on one another where you can't, you can't do without the other. If you've ever been to the Redwood Forest, you know that once you step into it, it's like a shrine. It is peaceful and quiet. It's so huge and big, and there's a cathedral of silence there and peacefulness. It, it's a fortress of protection and quiet. We're, we're a redwood, or, or we're a tumbleweed. Now, tumbleweeds are seasonal. They grow in the desert. They bloom in a certain season, but when their bloom is outlived and in the season of their life, the plant life is over, they release from their root system and are carried about by the wind, wherever the wind blows, wherever the wind decides, they're blown all over. And the, the interesting part about this segment of the life of a tumbleweed is that it sheds its seed as it's blown all over. So the seeds, whatever, whoever that tumbleweed is, its seeds are spread everywhere. So friend, here's the question. Here's the, here's the, here's the ask. Are you, are you a tumbleweed, short season, short life, dropping seeds all over for the next generation to live out and pay for? Are you, are you going to be a sequoia tree, a, a, a redwood huge, amazing tree. I want to tell you three things that the redwood tree tells us, and I'm going to wrap today. Three things. One, the footing, the root system connected, and we grow from each other, and we protect each other, and we keep each other in a firm place. Our skin, our bark is armored and strengthened because we, we are armored and strengthened by the armor of God and the power of that armor. And inside that armor, the redwood man is full of the Holy Spirit, continuing to grow, flex in the storm, continue to grow, and to keep a firm foot on a strong foundation connected to brothers. And then the third piece of being a redwood man is that my arms are linked with my brother next to me, we have determined that we will do it till we die and that we will not quit. And that when I get tired, he holds my arms up. And when he gets tired, I hold his arms up. And together we are strong in the fight. We are in the battle. We don't quit. We shed blood and tears and spiritual sweat and adrenaline. And we lead our kids and our wife and our family together into the future giving them purpose, identity, sonship, and legacy. 
You need to connect, bro. Get connected. Hey, this is Barry Edgman, Father Seekers, founder and creator, and you're listening to Teach Me to Father. Let's talk.